Hey, Redeemed family, I want to start a new sermon series today, and I want to begin by having you go back and think about the first time you ever had a mobile phone. For me, my first mobile phone was actually in college. That will date me a little bit here. And it was that old Nokia brick phone. Do you remember that thing where the antenna was actually on the top and you had to actually pull it out so you got reception? And the only thing it could do was make a phone call. And then you could do a little bit of text, but it was so annoying to hit the three buttons on every single letter to text your friends. And then, you know, the reception was so bad that half the time in my dorm, I was hanging out the window just to talk to my friends back home. It was incredibly hard to actually have this phone, but it was incredible what it could do also. But the most incredible thing about it was that you could play that game Snake. Does anybody remember that? That was like the only thing on it. It was like phone, text, and the game Snake where you went around and caught the apple and tried not to run over yourself. I don't know if you remember that. Hopefully somebody does so they understand that reference. And then I had the Blackberry, and then I moved to this thing called the iPhone. And the iPhone is one of the most amazing pieces of hardware that you'll ever hold, right? It still is. And the first time I ever hold it, I was like, this is amazing. It's this beautiful piece of uh, a beautiful phone with this beautiful packaging as you open it and this experience. And the hardware was incredible, right? The hardware are the things like the glass that's supposed to be unbreakable, even though somehow I break my glass phone to this day, like in the first couple weeks. I don't know if anybody else can, can feel me on that. And then you also had like the camera that just keeps getting better. You have the charging that keeps getting better. You have the battery life that keeps getting better. All these hardware things on this phone that make it incredible. But the thing that really makes an iPhone amazing is the software. It's this operating system. Because before this, the phone was just a place to call people, to text people, and then to play random snake games on your phone. And so this opened a whole new world, right? Where you could uh, download apps and you could swipe and you get the weather and you could store things. And this whole new experience on this operating system, this uh, software update. And so how does this relate to this sermon series and to us as Redeemed Church? Well, I wanna make the case that right now it's as important for us to, to update our operating system as it is our hardware. So as you know, myself and the staff and the elder team and the advisory team and the transition team. We have all these teams that are really thinking and deep about the hardware of our church, right? We're, we're in between buildings right now. And trust me that we're desperately looking for a building. We're trying to listen to God to say, where is the future home of Redeem? But that's a hardware thing, right? We're trying to find the right space and the right place that will work for us as a church. Then you go a little bit deeper and you say, okay, what are the programs that we need to run here at Redeem? What are the ministries that we need to have to disciple our people and to reach our community? What are those things that we need to be doing? And then you also look at like the staff and the, and the leaders in our church and how we're developing them and what positions we're putting people in. All of these hardware things that it takes to run a church. But to really be the church that I believe that God wants us to be as Redeemed Church, we have to start looking at updating our software too, updating our operating system. We all need to look internally and the work of our software. And I wanna challenge us all to look at how we are following Jesus and how we're continuing this mission on earth from the inside, from our operating system. What does this look like for a church? We're gonna be challenging you that as we figure out this hardware stuff, 
that we all are also going deep in discipleship and ultimately that we're going to be equipping the saints to do the work. So the software of a church, that's all of us, God's people. And what are those things? What are the inside? What are the things that we need? Things like our values and how we love one another, how we individually take our faith seriously and how we individually are growing in Christ, how we are listening to the Holy Spirit, how we are sharing the love of God with our friends and family and neighbors, how we're getting free from some of those strongholds that we have, how we're developing in the fruits of the Spirit, and how we are caring for the poor and the suffering in our community. Here's a little secret, and, and hopefully you don't disagree, but you may disagree. I believe that we can actually make more impact by updating our internal operating systems from the inside more than if we just get the hardware right. Now hear me, the hardware is important and we're, we're spending time and really going deep on that too. But for us, for you that's watching this right now, I want to challenge us that internally really update those operating systems because that's when we can be moving and grooving as a church. So that's why we're calling this new series, Updating Our Operating Systems. And what we're going to be looking at in this new series is John 14, 15, 16, and 17. Now what's going on here is that Jesus is actually laying out what it looks like to continue his mission as he physically leaves the disciples. And this is so critical that we understand because he's giving them and us as believers the new operating system of how this is going to work out. You know, I got this idea because I was at this retreat on this little island north of Vancouver in British Columbia, an incredible place overlooking the mountains. And I was with a, a group of uh, people who were passionate about evangelism from all over the world. There were people from Korea and from uh, Malaysia and from uh, Indonesia and from uh, Netherlands, just incredible time of just spending time with people who are all about how do we get the church to be evangelizing more people. And during this time, the person who was leading the retreat was, was going through John 14, 15, 16, and 17. And he actually said that he reads these chapters once a month because they're so important for us to understand how we relate with God, how we are supposed to continue this mission of Jesus. And so that's exactly what we're going to be doing in this next series. For the disciples and for us, these chapters is one of those big updates. Do you remember the big updates? Like sometimes you get that little phone needs to be updated at night and you update it and, before, and you look at it and it's not really anything big. But then sometimes there's like the updates and you update it and, and you wake up and you're like, I actually have to learn my new phone because I have no idea how, maybe that's just me getting old, but it's like, you know, you have to like look up how you actually do the things. Well, that's what's happening here as Jesus is laying out the new operating system. Now, one of the things whenever we start a new sermon series, I'm hoping that we look at what are the goals of this sermon series because it's hard to start something not knowing what the goal is, right? So I want to challenge you during each one of these sermons, uh, sermons to go and reflect and pray and to ask God, what is the personal software update that I need after each one of these sermons, all right? So there's three goals that I'm, I'm really looking at. One, of course, is growing deeper in the faith. But what I want to challenge you on is that you'll see a couple times where the disciples are actually having a hard time understanding what Jesus is saying and Jesus is there with them. Some of these things are going to be very challenging and it's going to take us deepening our faith to understand how we operate moving forward. Number two, 
everything that Jesus says in these chapters is going to require us a new level of boldness in our faith as well. You know, as Jesus lays out this plan to continue the mission, you will see that we have to be bold to carry this out. But you'll also see that Jesus is telling us how, to, how he is going to equip us and the tools that he's going to provide for us to move this forward, okay? So you're not on your own. So as we step into boldness, you'll also realize that you got the tools. And number three, and I want you to take this seriously, my prayer is that you'll find individual callings and empowerments coming from this sermon series. You know, Marty's definition for the church, I just absolutely love. He says, Jesus at work in his people and his people at work in their community. You know, one way that we can understand this is everyone does the works. And that's what we're going to be doing here. It's empowering us to understand that everyone does the works. You know, one of my favorite pastors is this guy by the name of John Wimber. And he's old school. He's actually since passed. But he was really big in the thing of the 70s and the 80s. He was actually a member of the Righteous Brothers, the band, got radically saved and then became a pastor and actually was one of the founders of the Vineyard Movement. And that's actually his line. It's everyone does the works. And you can actually go back and, on YouTube and see some of his sermons. They're absolutely, I absolutely enjoy listening to him. But, you know, as he's at these conferences and he's speaking at churches, oftentimes he's getting prophetic words and people are getting healed, right? They're doing the work. And every time that that happens, he ends and he says, how many people did I heal today? And you'll hear people yell 20 or 30 or whatever, however many it was. But he always says, no, zero, because you did the work, right? All of us are doing the work. It's not us as a staff. It's not us as leaders. It's not people that are life group leaders. It's everyone doing the work. And that's when we begin to change this community. So let me set the stage for these scriptures because it's so important for us to understand what's happening. So as we enter into John 14, of course, that comes after John 13. And in John 13, it's the Passover meal, right? So what's happening here is that Jesus is giving communion out. He's washing his disciples' feet, but he's also predicting his death. He's telling them that Judas is going to betray him. And he's saying that Peter is going to deny me three times. Now, why is that important? Well, for, for the disciples that are going to hear this next part, this is an intense time for them. This is really a challenging time for them. They're, they're taking in a lot right now. And so they're now gathering around after di dinner. And what are they doing? They're being disciples. They're being disciples. They're seeking to understand. They're being vulnerable. They're processing what he's saying while reflecting on what they have witnessed God already doing through Jesus, right? And this is a great example of what posture we're supposed to be taking, right? Sitting around Jesus and listening and trying to seek to understand and trying to make sure that we know how we are supposed to update our operating system. And let's look at what Jesus is doing, right? Let's look at what Jesus is doing. He's pouring out his knowledge and wisdom to his disciples and believers as it relates to moving forward. He's about to head into the passion story and he's saying, how is this going to look moving forward? So why is this so significant for us? We have to understand how we now relate to God in light of this. It's so important for us to always understand how does this operating system work? We have to understand what is the operating system that God is setting up for us to live out the full 
for the fullness of what our life is supposed to look like. So for the disciples, in these next few words, they're getting a major operating system update. And I pray that during these next few sermons that you will as well, and that will deepen our knowledge of how we're supposed to operate in this world. Another important thing to note is that we have to remember that these disciples for this first part in John 14, we have to remember that these were Jewish men. They had, a re- they had an understanding of the relationship with God through the temple, right? They had a temple mindset. They also had their own thoughts about afterlife, and they had to figure that out. They also had this thought of who the Messiah was supposed to be based off what others in their faith said, and they're experiencing the actual Messiah, and they're figuring out how that works, as well as him saying that he's going to go die. And so they're trying to process that as he's talking about moving forward. In many ways, I think we all can relate. Maybe we thought only at church can we really relate to God. And then we feel a level of guilt when we don't come to church, and then you don't feel like you can relate to God, right? Or maybe we believe that only leaders can do the work. Or maybe we don't really understand what it means to have this bilingual faith that we always talk about, with our heart up in heaven, with our feet on the ground here on earth. And maybe we don't even think that we're worthy to carry out Jesus' mission, or we don't even understand what that looks like, and we don't understand what are the works that we're supposed to be doing. So with that in mind, let's jump into the first part of this sermon series in John 14, 1 through 7. And I'll read it here. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So the first point that I want to make is that when the Lord is in it, do not let your heart be troubled. Jesus knew his fate, but he also knew that it was going to benefit the disciples. And you'll see how he talks about that in these chapters. But one thing I love about Jesus is that he relates to us. He understands this intense time for the for the disciples, but he also doesn't leave us, leave, doesn't let us off the hook. Do you ever feel that? Jesus relates to us, but it doesn't mean that he lets us off the hook. Look, I would be freaking out in this time. I hope that you're clear that you would be as well, because this is an intense time for the disciples. They've been following this guy for a number of years, and they're just seeing it all kind of come to a place where they didn't think necessarily it was going to end. Now, the reflection time for you, I want you to ask this question. How many times in your life have you felt confused about a life situation and how God was going to maneuver things, right? How many times have you been confused about a life situation and not really sure how God's going to maneuver things? I can actually feel my anxiety just rising as I think about areas in my life that that's happened. But he's good and he tells us not to be troubled, right? You know that do not be afraid or that phrase or that kind of concept is one of the most used in the Bible, right? 
I looked it up and, and one commentary said that over 70 times a phrase or a command like that, do not be afraid, is used over 70 times in the NIV, right? So it's fairly significant for us in this operating system. So wherever you're at, I want you to embrace this sermon series as being empowered to carry out the mission and want to make a note that it starts with a willingness for us to say, I will not let my heart be troubled. I think many of us might just need to say that out loud. Just say, I will not let my heart be troubled. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't have troubles. That means that we're commanded to not let our hearts be troubled in light of that. Now, my second point is that we have to start living like heaven is our eternal resting spot. It says, verse number two again, my, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going here, there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. And you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. This means that we get to live weirdly, right? Because our heart isn't here. Our heart is in heaven. Hear this. We don't fear death anymore. It's a lot easier to be not afraid when you have that heaven mindset. We get to be bold because Jesus is telling us that there's actually a forever home. We get to have that bilingual faith, right? That heart up in heaven, feet on the ground. And we get to stop worrying about the temporal things in this life. Let me say that again. We get to stop worrying about the temporal things in this life. Some of us, like the disciples, need a little operating system update called the little heavenly mindset upgrade, right? So if we can get a little heavenly mindset upgrade, that'd be good right now. Because, like he says, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Now, the disciples would have had this temple mindset. And this is significant for us to understand, too. Uh, let's look at John 2, 13 through 17. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciple remembered this and remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The disciples had a temple mindset. And Jesus is actually declaring that in that time in John 2. But what he's declaring now is that there is a major, major update. This is one of those iPhone major updates that the Father's house is actually a dwelling place that he's going to and he's preparing a place for us to be there. It's no longer the temple mindset. He's saying that we get to be in a place where God is on the throne and we actually have a place in that. Now, one place that they, they would have gotten a glimpse of this is actually in Isaiah 6, 1 through 4. In the king that the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord and exalted and high, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. Two wings they cover their faces, with two they cover their feet, 
and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. This is a place that I want to be. I don't know about you. I want to see God's robe filling the temple, and I want to see these seraphim. I'm really excited about this. Now, this means that we get to stop living for the temporal and continue Jesus' mission with this new heavenly mindset, this idea that God's on the throne and we get a dwelling place with him. Now, one of the temptations as believers is that we sometimes can feel like this world is so crazy that we just want to sit here and we want to wait and just wish that we were up there in heaven now. It means, but it doesn't mean that. It actually means that we do the mission of Jesus instead of worrying about the stuff down here. Now, point number three, we have to be bold and share who Christ really is. Uh, we're going to reread this part here. Uh, verse five, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can I, we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. You know, Jesus uses this phrase, I am, several times in his ministry. And oftentimes, it's met with resistance. Let's look at one place, and that's John 6. And please forgive me, this is a long time to read. But John 6 is really important. Because leading up to this passage, Jesus does these incredible things. He feeds the 5,000 with five, uh, five loaves and two fish. He walks on water. And now he has a lot of disciples that are following him, not just the 12. There's a lot of people that are believing him and following him around and, and hearing his teaching. And they then find him after all this across uh, the water and they ask him some questions. So starting at verse 30 and, and hang in there with me. So they ask him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes uh, to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Now fast forward here to verse 41. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he knew, said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now skip ahead to verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept this? 
uh, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life, yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning of which of them do not believe and who would betray him. And he went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. And then verse 66 here. From this time, many of his disciples turned their back and no longer followed him. Even after seeing all the miracles, following him around, sitting under his teaching, when it got tough, it says many of his disciples turned their back and no longer followed him. I bring this up because in today's world, John 14 verse 6 is tough. Jesus answered them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Look, we're living in a world where people can often respond negative when we put limits on things. This is a time where people are uncomfortable with ultimatums and exclusive claims really aren't our thing anymore, right? With this, it's going to be increasingly harder and bigger challenge to share the gospel and some of the challenging claims of the gospel, right? Maybe you know someone, I, I know a few people that have actually left largely because of this, have left the faith because of this verse. They want to believe that there are actually many ways to God and that actually if you're just a good person that you get to be with God and you'll get there. Now, we have to boldly proclaim that this about Jesus and hold true to this idea that the only way to the Father is through the Son. And we have to present it, of course, with grace and peace. That's another challenge for us, right? But it really should be easy when we get to say because this that God has made a dwelling place for us to be with Him. And we're in that dwelling place forever. But we have to say that all you have to do is believe that you get to the Father through faith in the Son. Friends, there's going to be a time, or there might be a time, where you get tempted to back away from this. But remember that even when Jesus shared hard things with people that were with him, some people left him. We have to boldly proclaim the truth of Jesus with grace and love, but boldly proclaim the truth of Jesus and understand that some people just will not be able to receive it. And that's a hard truth but that doesn't keep us from not boldly sharing it, all right? So let me recap these three things as we end this part of the sermon. Number one, do not be troubled. Look for what the, world is, what the Lord is doing, no matter how hard it is, boldly engage with it. Number two, have that heavenly mindset upgrade, all right? That software upgrade, that heavenly mindset upgrade. Understand that there is a Father's house. And number three, Understand that we access that when we believe in the Son, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And we have to help people understand that. Now, I want you to reflect on those three things. And I want you to actually pray. And I'm going to ask God to help you understand what is that operating system that we need to upgrade, all right? So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for that you are the way, the truth, and the life, that you have made a heavenly place for us to dwell forever with you. Lord, help us to understand 
what you want us to do to continue this mission of Jesus uh, in today's world, to reach our communities and also do work in us. Tell us what we need to, uh, to, to update within ourselves to be fully living the life that you want us to. Lord, we love you with all that we are and we praise your name in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. Next week, we're also gonna be, we're gonna be talking about this idea of we're actually doing greater things and how that's even possible. So tune in next week and we love you. If you need anything, check us out at redeem.church.